I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Beth Center on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome in. It is indeed the VSIN Bet Center, hour number three of the program. I am Brady Cannon, live from the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. And my partner, James Salinas, is along via Denver, Colorado. And James, I'm sorry, but uh, those Tennessee volunteers were not able to get it done for you. I had a rooting interest. I didn't have a financial interest, but I was uh, really rooting for those volunteers. I had kind of taken a liking to what this team had done for the last month or so. And I thought Rick Barnes really had a good run going but 76 to 68 the final Michigan took the lead with about the last four or five minutes to go in this game and really never looked back the volunteers were not able to cut that margin at any point down the last four or five minutes of this contest and the Wolverines are headed to the sweet 16 and wouldn't you know it James you wonder if the committee had anything to do with this but they might end up facing Ohio State Ohio State (laughs) has got a game with the Villanova Wildcats on Sunday and the winner of that We'll take on Jawan Howard's Michigan Wolverines. Uh, we saw Tennessee just fall apart down the, the last few minutes of this game. They had a six-point lead with roughly seven minutes to play and were completely run off the court in that last seven minutes of the game. Michigan closes out the game on a 22-8 to run against Tennessee, and Tennessee just couldn't find any shooting touch in this game from beyond the arc. Collectively, they shot Two out of 18 from three-point range. They were getting inside and getting to the paint in that first half, but we saw Michigan tighten up on the interior. Obviously, Dickinson is a, a tremendous rim protector there for the Michigan Wolverines and started to see more and more shots coming further and further away from the basket for the Tennessee Volunteers. And in this case here, Brady, I don't care how much talent you have or who you're playing on the other side. It could be St. Peter's. It doesn't matter who it is. Two out of 18 from three-point land. Great mm. job by Michigan in that second half flipping the script, being down five and Tennessee getting what they wanted on the interior, not so much in the second half, having to rely more so on the three ball and none of those going down. Rough shooting night for the volunteers and that's why they're eliminated. I tell you what, James, if you're a fan or a backer of any team in this region, let's say it's Villanova, let's say it's Ohio State, Houston, Illinois, and of course Arizona and TCU, you've got some really good teams left in this region. Uh, Again, if you are are a backer or a fan of any of these other clubs, I think you probably like the fact that Michigan advanced because I, I think the general consensus would be that Tennessee is the better team. Obviously, they're a three seed. Michigan comes in as an 11 seed. You and I talked about it leading up to the tournament. I, I was wanting to bet against Michigan. As soon as they got in, they were a team I was looking to fade. Now, I stayed away today, and of course, they were down big early to Colorado State. I thought the Rams were going to get them outright in that opening round contest, but they have continued to fight and very impressive impressive to beat Tennessee today but again overall I think you have to like your chances facing Michigan versus the Tennessee Volunteers had the reverse been true here and Tennessee advanced 
Yeah, and thinking about the matchup now, we talked about it. Is it going to be Ohio State and that rivalry between the the Buckeyes and and the Michigan Wolverines? And think about that from a football standpoint. But the schools are definitely rivals, and that can carry over to the basketball court here. But that's going to be a tall task tomorrow with Ohio State having a matchup against Villanova. Talk about a veteran team that has had plenty of not mental toughness, physical toughness, plays with their guards through the post. They are very physical down on the block with their smaller guards in particular. Uh, well. The, it's a short bench for Villanova, but I think Michigan, kind of the same thing here, too. We know they've had some injuries in their backcourt and had to get some more play from their freshmen, but really Dickinson was able to take over in that second half. He finished out the game with 27 points on just 8 out of 13 shooting, so just 13 shots for Dickinson putting 27 points on the board, being able to get to the foul line, 8 out of 10 from the free throw line. I think his physicality over the course of that second half in particular really just started to wear down the Tennessee Volunteers. And you know what? When you start to get tired, Brady, as a player and or as a team, your shot selection starts to get further and further away from the basket. You start to settle for longer jumpers. In this case here, more credit to the Wolverines on their interior defense to force and push that action away from the Volunteers offense further and further away from the basket, having to rely on those threes. But yeah, credit to Jawan Howard and that staff being able to, to come back in that second half, make the adjustments necessary to protect the paint and a great win from Michigan. The Providence Friars have two minutes left to advance to the Sweet 16 where they will face the Kansas Jayhawks. They are up on Richmond right now, 75-51. to 51. The Friars closed as about three or three-and-a-half-point favorites here and uh, now up by 24, 75-51 with just two minutes left to go in that contest. UCLA and St. Mary's are currently at the half. The Bruins on top by seven, 36-29. They certainly cover the first half number. Number there, St. Ma- uh, St. Mary's got out to a really hot start, but UCLA bounced back, goes into the locker room with a seven-point edge, 36-29. They are now six-and-a-half-point favorites for the entire game in the live market, your live total at 132-and-a-half. Uh, James, you were talking about uh, St. Peter's and Murray State being a tough one to figure out from a psychological standpoint. Well, like Murray State probably didn't expect to be facing St. Peter's, you could say the same about Arkansas. They were probably figuring on facing UConn, but it was New Mexico State, the 12 seed, who took out the 5 seed UConn Huskies on Thursday, 70-63 to as 6.5-point underdogs. And like many predicted, uh, as far as Arkansas, they got a real tough test from Vermont. A lot of people like the Catamounts in that game. The Catamounts did get the cash, just slipping inside the number. They were catching four and a half. They lost that one by four, 75 to 71. The Razorbacks advance and open as six-point favorites now against New Mexico State. The opening total at 138 and a half. And this is a 540 Pacific, 840 PM Eastern tip. And right now, Arkansas is laying six and a half points, James. The total remains unchanged, still at 138 and a half. Yeah, I'd probably lean towards the Razorbacks here. I haven't laid that number and I haven't played this game, but 
You think about Arkansas. Now, the run that they made the last year's Elite Eight, that was a terrific team, but they've lost some talent from that team. Their leading scorer, Moses Moody, gone. Their leading rebounder, Justice Smith, gone. Jalen Tate led the team in assists last year as the lead facilitator for Arkansas. He has moved on as well, so you've had J.D. Note step up in, in his place there, but I think Jalen Williams and J.D. Note, tremendous players, so great job by by Razorbacks. Just now, are, are they're in that place where they're just able to start to fill big roles and big shoes and this team has been there and done that from the standpoint of going to the elite eight and i don't know brady the other side for new mexico state they had lost 12 straight tournament games before that big win over yukon in round one on thursday night are they happy to be here and the fact that hey we finally we finally won a tournament game it's been i think since 1993 that it took that long for new mexico state to finally get off the schneid and get one of those w's in that first round and led by teddy allen and he's a spectacular player he had 37 against yukon he's a tremendous player but he is very ball dominant and I think for here, he had he had basically half of the shots for the Aggies in that game against UConn. And anytime you're that dependent and that reliant upon one player, yeah, Teddy Allen, can, he can fill it up. And when he gets hot, he's as good as anybody in the country. But I just have concerns when you have one player that your offense is so dependent upon to have to score that if he's if you're able to, to – start to wear him down physically and and for a team like Arkansas be able to switch out a lot of bodies on him out on the perimeter make it tough for him to see over the top and get some good looks at the basket does he start to wear down and Arkansas's pressure as the game continues start to wear down New Mexico State because they are so dominant you know so focused on Teddy Allen to have to score for them it's probably the way that I'm leaning here but right now this, the Southeast Conference, not showing out too good right now in these first couple couple of days within the tournament here, Brady. I mean, we saw Auburn still kicking around. They got a game tomorrow, but Tennessee now knocked out. Kentucky, we know they got upset by a 15 seed. LSU with their coaching situation last yesterday with Will Wade, kind of no-show in that second half for the Tigers. And the Alabama's a crimson tide going down to Notre Dame. Man, what's left there in the Southeast Conference? I thought that was a tough conference there, and these teams are going to be super competitive. A lot of pressure on Arkansas to have to carry the flag with them and, and Auburn as the lone remaining teams from the Southeast Conference in the tournament. Well, certainly they are two A teams the uh, Arkansas and Auburn. So, yeah, no, you're right. The SEC, I figured, uh, you know, probably I would say the second best conference, I thought, during the regular season to only the Big 12. But you're right, not faring so well so far in the big dance. Uh, you're right, New Mexico State had not won a postseason game in the NCAA tournament since 1993. They did not have, they had not faced a ranked team all season until they faced the UConn Huskies on Thursday. James, I know you use your eyes and your ears to handicap a lot of sports, looking at the situations and whatnot. And if you saw New Mexico after that upset of UConn, it was like a celebration of we just shocked the world. I mean, that that was a party. I was ready for them to crack champagne and, you know, put on the goggles and have the TV cameras running in the locker room and everything. And then, like I said, Vermont really gave Arkansas a good test. And Eric Musselman and those players, they shook hands. It was very much of a business-like demeanor. And I wonder if New Mexico State, if, you know, they are going to come crashing down after that party that they threw in beating UConn. Yeah, and that's where the fact that they were able to, after 12 times, you know, going 0-12 the last time, the last 12 times in the big dance and not having won for nearly 30 years in that first round matchup years, such three decades ago, that, yeah, they've... 
They, they were hungry for that win, and they got it, and good for them. But UConn is one of those teams that can be offensively challenged, and we've seen that throughout the season for the, the Huskies in the Big East play. And we know that's a very competitive and, and physical conference in the Big East. But to your point, Brady, I, I kind of agree. I feel like this is where for New Mexico State, maybe they're starting to it, a little bit of a letdown, not so much just being a little flat. Let's say, I mean, they're playing with house money here. Got an opportunity to go to the Sweet 16, but yeah, when do they when do they stop the celebration and get focused on Arkansas? I think Arkansas is all business today. That's the way I'm leaning here, laying the six and a half. Yeah, I did play Arkansas, laying six, and and I think this is an obvious step up in class for New Mexico State, and they're probably a team that's just really happy to be here. I don't know if they're ready for the Razorbacks. We'll be back with more in just a moment. is Beth Center on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Take another shot at March Mania Moolah with the KFC Second Chance Survivor Pool. Making winning picks throughout the tournament to claim your share of $20,000. Head to DraftKings.com slash KFC dash March dash Mania now to join the action. KFC, it's finger licking good. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. Go to DraftKings.com for details. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you here inside the Bet Center. Coming up, the Bet Center rolls on with Ben Wilson and Jeff Parles. They will take over at the top of the hour. And just a few seconds left here between Providence and Richmond. The Friars all over the Spiders, 79 to 51. I'm showing 15 seconds left in that contest, 79 51 in favor of the Providence Friars. St. Mary's and UCLA still at the break. It is 36-29, the Bruins out in front after one half of action over the Gales of St. Mary's. They are six-and-a-half-point favorites for the entire game in the live market. Your live total at 132-and-a-half. And, James, we are down to the final 16 in the NIT. Coming up at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, we have the Battle of the Big Cats, and that is the Panthers of Northern Iowa taking on the Cougars of BYU. This will be on BYU's home court in Provo, Utah. BYU, a two-seed in the National Invitational Tournament. They advanced with a win over Long Beach State, a big one, 93-72 to on Wednesday. Northern Iowa comes in off of a first-round win on the road over the Billikens of St. Louis. BYU opened up in this game as a five-and-a-half-point favorite favorite with a big total 150 and a half currently they are laying five points so a little bit of money coming in on the Panthers and a lot of money coming in on the total going under it is now at 147 and a half any NIT action for you Mr. Salinas no, I haven't gotten involved. I really haven't paid a whole lot of attention to the NIT. And the challenge with the NIT is you have to know whether that team, especially in the first round, who really cares? Who mm-hmm. wants to be there? Who doesn't want to be there? Yes, they are playing at home, but we saw that up in Boulder a few days ago with CU. The very limited crowd. You mentioned BYU. They will be at home tonight against Northern Iowa. But if you look at that game against Long Beach State, and it was really, it was just an up and down affair. Felt like it was just kind of open gym. 93-72, a lot of points put up on the board. 
not in front of a whole lot of spectators. They play there at the Marriott Center in Pro- in Provo. That capacity there is about 19,000. Well, they didn't have anywhere close to that. They had about 5,000 fans in the stands. So a lot of empty seats in there. And sometimes, you, do, you know, the, these kids, the college kids, the home team, and in particular, even the road teams get, you know, feed off the energy of the crowd. And we have such a sparse crowd, then it just comes down to, well, which team is really going to lock in defensively with a high total like that? Says neither team is going to be. Northern Iowa, they had won 10 out of 12 coming into NIT play. So that was a team that was excited. They knew they weren't going to go to the big dance. And now this is an opportunity to be able to extend and continue their season here. But on the other side, BYU, you know, they had they had just won five out of their last nine games coming into the NIT. However, you keep in mind the teams that they played, they're all tournament teams right now. Two to San Francisco, one to the Zags, and one to St. Mary's. So challenging schedule for BYU. Northern Iowa on a roll. Maybe I'd lean with the dog here, knowing probably not going to be a lot of fans in the stands and maybe looking at the over as well. Just kind of feeling like these kids are out there. Opportunity to get out there and hoop. Let's go put the ball in the basket and look at the total. Probably go over. Yeah, you talk about the mentality and handicapping the NIT, kind of like bowl games. You know, is is a football yeah. team disappointed? Is this a letdown for them to show up at the Gasparilla Bowl, or, or are they elevated and motivated to be there? And I think in this case here, the Panthers of Northern Iowa are, are pretty excited trying to win this tournament. BYU may be a little bit disappointed that they did not make the big dance. And, yep. you know, uh, Northern Iowa shoots a three-pointer very well. They're able to get to the free throw line. And again, I think they are maybe the little bit more motivated team here. I, I think they're probably a live dog catching the five points. I know BYU is at home and that line factors in home court advantage, but um, I, I kind of like the Panthers in this spot. And and you talked about the competition that BYU has faced recently, and certainly that is very good competition. But I think over the course of a year, if you just handicap the conferences here, James, BYU in the West Coast Conference playing the Pepperdines and, you know, those San Francisco, of course, a very good team, but the Santa Claras and the San Diegos of the world, whereas the Missouri Valley concert or a conference where uh, Northern Iowa hails from, that was a very competitive conference tournament and conference this entire season, I think they may be the more battle-tested team as well. Yeah, and they're on the team that was coming in on that role, having won 10 out of their last 12 coming into the to getting into the, the invite to the NIT here and being able to get out and still extend their season and compete. So to your point, Brady, I agree. I think for for Northern Iowa, the the intensity will be there. The the motive is going to be there. And for BYU play, paying, playing in front and suspect if the first game against Long Beach State is any indication about the uh, the fan interest in this game for the Cougars? Well, they only had about 25% capacity in that last game. I suspect we'll probably see the same thing on a Saturday night. We know it's Provo, man. There's lots of things to do out there on a Saturday night. You want to go watch college basketball? You want to get out in the nightlife in Provo? Maybe those young kids are not going into the stadium here, so probably going to be a game where I'd be leaning towards, like you said, with the dog side with Northern Iowa. All right. Once again, that one will tip off at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern time about 40 minutes from now earlier today in NIT action Virginia Commonwealth took on the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest and Wake Forest got it done 80 to 74 the final Wake Forest covers the number as four and a half point favorites and the game goes over the total of 143 and a half Wake Forest really looking like a force to be reckoned with in the National Invitational Tournament Michigan and Tennessee of course back to the big dance Michigan is dancing they continue dancing all the 
way to the Sweet 16, 76-68. They take out Tennessee. And it's a final, James. Providence, the Friars, 79-51. to It started early and often in this game against Richmond. The Providence Friars got out to a quick advantage, and it never really changed. They crushed this team. They led by 15 at halftime. They end up winning it 79-51, to a 21-point win for the Friars. And, boy, I tell you, you know, the way I handicapped this team a little bit was they were getting disrespected. And like Dwayne Colucci talked about, this team played in the Big East. That conference was darn good this year, and I just didn't know why. I mean, I know why the team was disrespected. They ranked so high in the luck factor, getting very fortunate this year time and time again, but I, I thought that would could be used as motivation by their coaching staff, and apparently it's worked wonders, and they're going to be able to use that card again going into the Sweet 16 against Kansas. Yeah, and going to be a tough matchup for Kansas. We talked about the Jayhawks earlier. I'm not a believer in that team as far as especially on the defensive side, being able to take advantage of uh, of a couple of players for the Jayhawks on the perimeter and out on the wing area. It's just not a very self to, I think for Bill Self, who likes to pride himself on his Kansas teams being very physical and being very defensive oriented, that's not what this team is. This is a very finesse team in my mind, and that's not what the Providence Friars are. It's a very physical team, and their guards are very physical, and they play with an edge to him. Durham coming over from Indiana, he's got an edge to him, and really the heart and soul of that team is Jared Bynum. Bynum, is he's he just plays with such heart and really is a great leader for that Providence Friars team, and I think for Richmond Great run for them to be able to go out and win that A-10 and get into the tournament. But maybe they do. I think the legs just ran out for them, both Burton and Gilliard. Gilliard, their leader, hadn't he hadn't left the game in eight games. Eight straight games for him playing full 40 minutes in each contest, never subbing out. And I think there's, you're going to hit the wall at some point. And, uh, and unfortunately for the Spiders, I think from a physical standpoint, it hit and it hit today having to play a team, especially a physical team like Providence Flyers, who were locked and loaded. Man, they were hitting threes early. I know they ended up being 12 for 22 from the floor, but you look at the other side, tired legs for the Spiders, Brady, just one for 22 from downtown. Wow. Tough to win a basketball game like that. Yes. One for 22 from behind the arc. Uh, in just about three minutes from now, it'll be the Racers of Murray State hosting the, or I shouldn't say hosting, taking on the Peacocks of St. Peter's. And uh, we're starting to see a little money come in on the Peacocks, James. I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, Murray State has been favored by eight really all day long here. And now some late money coming in on St. Peter's uh, here at Circa all the way down to to a seven-point spread. There are some seven-and-a-halves in the market out there, including at BetMGM. Uh, Murray State, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite now over St. Peter's. Your total at 128-and-a-half. This line movement, James, you talked about that you were maybe leaning towards the Peacock side. Did you finally jump in? Are you the line mover out there in Denver? Definitely not the line mover. Yeah, <laughs> I see a number of seven-and-a-half. That's kind of consensus now, seven-and-a-half in favor of Murray State. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to get involved here. I just, for the St. Peter's side, we've talked about it. Where is their head? They're still, the Peacocks flying high from that huge upset win, and rightfully so. Good for those guys coming in as the 15 seed. Small school there in Jersey City. Nobody gave them a spot. You're, you're playing the Blue Bloods from Kentucky, and you upset that team? Yeah, you're going to celebrate that and enjoy the, the next 48 hours, but you do have a game to play, and Murray State is a really good team. This is a team that hasn't lost in months. It's going to be a tough spot for St. Peter's. No, I did not move the the money because I did not touch this game, Brady. 
Uh, the Charlotte Hornets leading the Dallas Mavericks 63-55. to 10 minutes left to go in the third quarter. We'll be back with more in just a moment on the Bet Center. This is Bet Center on VSIN, the sports betting network. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game in every round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops-Peterson, Matt Humans, Jonathan Von Tobel, and Tim Murray. They have insights on every key team, conference, and player to watch from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today to Get the betting guide plus all the full access to VSIN through the end of the tournament, April 5th. Only $19. Check it out at vsin.com slash madness. Speaking of our friend Tim Murray, he's the host of the Nightcap here Monday through Friday with our friend Sean King. Right here out of the Circa Resort and Casino, he will be our guest in the final segment of the VSIN Bet Center. Tim Murray really specializes in college basketball, so we bring him on to talk about it this time of year. And James, you UCLA hanging tough there with our St. Mary's Gales uh, hanging on to that seven-point advantage they were enjoying at halftime and now 13 minutes left in the second half still up by seven and make it five as St. Mary's gets a bucket there 46 to 41 UCLA leading the Gales right now they are five and a half point favorites in the live market your total at 130 and a half St. Mary's got out to that hot start but UCLA was able to kind of flip the script there and just holding on on to that five to seven point margin for the rest of the way so far. Well, and it was uh, Hawkes, and that's what the Jaime Hawkes for UCLA. That's really the last few, oh, let's just call it the last month or two of the season for UCLA. That's what the offense has been. It's been Hawkes. I know he's listed as a guard. He's six foot seven, pretty strong kid, great low base that he has, but plays like he's a power forward because he is down on the block and bangs guys down on the block and really. Plays everything through the post, through Hawk, as he had 15 points in that first half. And we had talked about the concerns I had for Johnny Juzang. Is he actually really healthy? Had not been shooting the ball well in the last five games since coming back from his ankle injury. And again tonight, just two of six from the floor, not taking a lot of shots either. And all of one from from the three-point range here. And I think for St. Mary's, just they've hit, they've had some opportunities. They've had open shots here, not able to knock it down. I think for for Kuzi, he's he's um, you know Tommy Kuzi has struggled from the floor, in particular from three-point land. Just one of five thus far. And it's not like they've had some really tough contested shots from UCLA. We know UCLA is a very good defensive team, but more so on the on the interior inside the three-point line, open looks for St. Mary's. Haven't been able to get those knocked in, in particular for Kuzi, but we still got a long way to go. Just 12, Still 12 minutes to go. Seven point lead for UCLA at this point. Yep, just under the 12-minute mark now, and there's a three-pointer for the St. Mary's Gales. Make it 48-44. to UCLA remains a four-and-a-half-point favorite in the live market. Your total ticks up to 132 and a half and St. Peter's and Murray State are underway. They are they were tied at 2 to 2. Now the Peacocks with the advantage 4 to 2 in the very early going there just about 3 minutes into that contest and then coming up here shortly in about 10 minutes from now it'll be New Mexico State and Arkansas. The Razorbacks remain a 6 and a half point favorite. Your total 
at 138 and a half. James, let's take a look at a few contests that kind of catch my eye on the schedule for Sunday. And I think this one is very interesting. The Houston Cougars taking on the Illini of Illinois and Illinois, a four seed Houston, the five seed. And the Cougars are favored by four and a half with a total of 133 and a half. And I was betting against uh, Illinois, against Chattanooga. I I filled out a bracket and actually took uh, Chattanooga to pull off the outright upset in that game. They nearly got there. Illinois only led the game for 25 seconds, but those were 25 seconds that counted when the clock hit zeros. Illinois wins by one point over Chattanooga, and Houston was pretty dominant in their first-round matchup against the Blazers of University of Alabama-Birmingham. And you wonder if betters will run to the window with what they saw last. We saw Houston be very good against uh, UAB, and we saw Illinois really struggle with Chattanooga. And is that going to influence the betting patterns? That scares me because I do I do like the Houston Cougars. I have a futures ticket on them to cut down the nets. I like Kelvin Sampson. But this could be a little bit of a trap with everybody thinking Illinois is maybe not what they are when, uh, you know, they had a scare of a game for sure. And they may bounce back in a big way. Well, the issue for Illinois is it's going to be the think about the identity for Houston. You we know what they are. You know, even with the injuries that they had with Mark and, and with Sasser early in the season, that was back in December when he lost those two players for Kelvin Sampson's team and and some talent from last year's final four team as well. But they have athletes, and they're going to check you and guard you. That is where they commit to starting their game is on the defensive end, completely the opposite of what we were talking about with Kansas and Bill Self's team, not a defensive-minded team whatsoever. That's the exact opposite of of who this Houston Cougars team is, and that's going to be the challenge for Illinois, and in particular, the guards. And I just I don't trust the guard play out of the out of, out of this team. I know Plummer hit some huge shots to get them back into the game last night for Illinois, but it really it comes down to to Fraser Fraser and then Curbelo and can Curbelo play under control because I think Curbelo he makes as many teams for his uh, for for his makes as many plays for his opponent as he does for his Illini teammates he's just somebody that tends to get out of control Fraser was out of control last night neither of those guys shot well I mean they were a collective they were a collective one for 13 from the floor last night and six turnovers from Curbelo it was just a sloppy game for him and you're talking about having to play the length and athleticism and physicality in the half court against Houston in this matchup tomorrow. I think this is a tall order. Yeah, they. I know Illinois wants to play through the post with Kofi Coburn and 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 he's a load down on that interior. But um, I, I just I don't trust the guard play out of the Illini in this matchup having to go against a very defensive minded and consistently committed to defensive team in the Cougars. I favor, I, I, I do, I favor not so much reaction from last night. I just think from what we've seen out of Illinois and their guard play for the majority of this season, this is not the same team from last year. Last year's team was better than this year's team rolling into this tournament, in particular at the guard position. I think those guards struggle. I'm, I'm in favor of Houston in this matchup. Yeah, I think if Houston plays their game, and they played a very good game against UAB, now this will be a tougher opponent, but if Houston plays their game, you talk about the defense, absolutely, that is a huge part of it. Um, I think they get the W here as well. I'm not ready 
to lay the four and a half points just yet. Maybe I'll get there with a money line bet or something like that uh, before they tip it off on Sunday. You've also got another Big Ten representative in the Wisconsin Badgers. They will take on a team from the Big 12 in the Cyclones of Iowa State. Iowa State uh, advanced with a win over LSU and Wisconsin advanced with a win over Colgate. Colgate got the cash by just a half point. That was quite a finish there and quite a sweat for folks that were involved in that one on Friday night. But uh, I did not think Wisconsin was all that impressive in that game, James. And, and I don't think Iowa State was all that impressive against LSU either. They had some big three-pointers throughout the game, did the Cyclones. Uh, I actually liked LSU in that game. I didn't think the coaching distraction weighed, of course, being let go before the tournament and whatnot. I thought that might be a, a bit of a motivating factor, you know, not, not necessarily a win-one for the Gipper, but the new coach that comes in there. I, I thought that could possibly be a springboard. They did not look very good. They did not look like the same team that I saw really play some terrific games in SEC conference play earlier this season. But this is a pretty unsexy matchup to me with Iowa State and Wisconsin. I don't know which way to go with it. Yeah, I, I mean, Wisconsin, it's all about Johnny Davis. When Johnny Davis, Johnny Davis is not on that team. That's a bad basketball team out of Wisconsin. They are not inspiring whatsoever. It's it's not athletic. And Johnny Davis had to wake up in that second half. And I don't think he's fully healthy. It took him a whole, really, three quarters of the game to get into the to get into the matchup and and lead his team to victory last night. Now they are in a sense playing at home, playing there in in Milwaukee. And it was definitely a favorable crowd for Wisconsin last night. I think that will probably play into it as well. But as far as Iowa State, yeah, I did. I played them last night. They were four and a half. It was a play against the fact that Will Wade was fired, and it's just different now, Brady, because with the transfer portal. These kids don't have to sit out a year if they're going to leave. They can go and bounce wherever they want to bounce, and they know that their coach is gone, plus the fact that there's probably going to be some sanctions coming down on that LSU Tiger program. Those guys are – I'm sure they spent the week trying to figure out what's my next move because it's probably not going to be down there in Bayou country. So, But Iowa State was fortunate to have that opportunity to play LSU in that matchup. I, I – I probably lean towards Wisconsin here. I think Iowa State can get so stagnant offensively. Hunter was sensational, hit those couple big threes late in that game. He had seven three-pointers last night, and Brockington struggled to shoot the basketball. So it's really Hunter and Brockington are the two best players, but they struggled to score consistently. I'd probably lean towards Johnny Davis, one of the best players in the country, and Wisconsin, in a sense, playing at home in Milwaukee. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. There's certainly something to be said about the home field or home court, if you will, being in Milwaukee for the Wisconsin Badgers. And I could see them improving upon Friday night's performance as well. Davis certainly uh, one of, if not the very best player in the country. Wisconsin laying four and a half points in that one with a total of 125 and a half. UCLA with an eight-point advantage over St. Mary's, 54 to 46. And St. Peter's up on the racers of Murray State, nine to six, about four. 14 minutes left to go in the first half in that one. We'll be back with Tim Murray from the Nightcap to talk some college basketball. This is Beth Center on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Look 
your best and draft your best with the Just for Men March Basketball Series. Draft a winning lineup in two free-to-play contests for your shot at a share of $10,000 in total prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash JFM now to join the action. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Final segment of the VEASAN Bet Center with myself, Brady Cannon, and James Salinas. We pass the baton on to Ben Wilson and Jeff Parles at the top of the hour. And we bring in another VEASAN colleague now to share some college basketball thoughts with us. He is the co-host of the Nightcap, Monday through Friday with Sean King, right here at the Circa Resort and Casino, 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern. And you can follow him on Twitter at 1TimMurray. Tim Murray, indeed. And we're returning the favor here tim you're kind enough to have me on your show to talk yeah. golf so we're gonna you know aim towards your wheelhouse here and bring you on of course to talk college basketball absolutely one of your areas of expertise by the way ucla up on st mary's 55 47 st peter's up on murray state early 11 to 9 tim they will be tipping off in a matter of minutes new mexico state and arkansas james and i both lean with the razorbacks here certainly a step up in class for the New Mexico State Aggies. What are your thoughts? Do you have any action on this one? I don't, but I would uh, tend to agree with you fellas. And I always appreciate you guys having me on, um, you know, love chatting with, with the two of you. And it's, uh, it's good to catch up back in the day, me and uh, James Salinas on Saturday and Sundays would chop it up here on the network. So I uh, love chatting with you guys, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm kind of of the mindset. I like to fade teams after, you know, you know, Teddy Allen was just out of his mind and what a performance that he had against UConn, you know, four of nine from three perfect from the free throw line. Just everything went right for him. And I'm not taking anything away from him. Uh, I don't have a bet on this game, but I, I, I would lean towards, uh, would lean towards laying the points. You know, sometimes we just see these teams, you know, you get that big upset, that 12 over five, and then you just can't replicate uh, that performance. I, I think it's a different situation when you look at a, a Michigan because Michigan, you know, is an 11 seed and they're, and they're, you know, a power five conference, New Mexico state, I believe guys, that was their first ever uh, NCAA tournament victory. So, um, you know, it, it's hard to duplicate that. And uh, I would, uh, I would lean towards the Razorbacks uh, and uh, you know, and they're in Arkansas, to be honest, you know, didn't play incredibly well. Uh, they beat a good Vermont team uh, didn't cover. Um, so I, I would, I would expect a better performance tonight out of the Razorbacks. And Tim, just watching here, we were just as we were updating. I wanted to look at the live line. UCLA, St. Mary's, UCLA is up eight, but Hawkins went down with an ankle injury here. Basically, he facilitates everything through the post, so something to keep an eye on with UCLA going forward. He does not look good coming down on that ankle, but. Let's move on. Let's move down the card, Tim, and look at Memphis and Gonzaga. Number one, Gonzaga, number one seed overall in the tournament. Now going to face a really interesting Memphis team. Very athletic, very young team. We know that, but very athletic and want to try to push pace and create turnovers against Gonzaga's guards. We did see kind of how Memphis, how well they've played since Imani Bates went out of the lineup a couple of months ago. He actually returned in this game or in that game against Boise. He just played three minutes had one shot, knocked it down. But thinking about this matchup here for Gonzaga, their bigs going up against Memphis athletic front line, laying nine and a half for the Zags here. Did you make a play? Do you have an interest in this game and or the total? I did. uh, And I hate when uh, people 
you know, like ourselves come on shows like, well, I got this number and uh, that's where I'm sticking with it. Um, I did take Memphis at the open. I thought the no open was ridiculous. Uh, it was 12 and a half. Uh, I would still lean towards Memphis a little bit here. Um, you know, you certainly have the the question marks of of Memphis. You know, their biggest Achilles heel, guys, is turning the ball over. They're one of the worst teams in the country in turning the ball over. However, Gonzaga doesn't really turn you over. That's not a strength of theirs. So, you know, what what will Memphis do? And and James, to your point, which is really well taken. Drew Timmy, and you saw him put on a clinic against Georgia State in the second round, right? Or excuse me, against uh, in the first round a couple nights ago, right? He just gets the ball in the post, and he's like, give me the ball. They can't stop me. Duran can stop him, and I think he could give him issues. And I, I think back to the national championship game against Baylor where Drew Timmy, you know, there was thoughts that he would leave after last year. And after that performance, he couldn't. I mean, he got exposed. Um, and, and I wonder if the athleticism of a big like Duran, who's 6'11", 250, just kind of a freak of nature, right? Five-star recruit. Can he take advantage of a guy like Drew Timmy? The, on the other side, though, what I do worry about is, um, you know, does Drew Timmy outsmart him in the sense? I mean, he's savvy. He's been around forever. Duran's a freshman. Can he get him up in the air? Can he get him into foul trouble? So, you know, you, you think back to last year's Gonzaga team. They had a lottery pick in Jalen Suggs running point. They had a lottery pick on the wing in Corey Kispert, who did nothing in the national championship game. And then they had Joel Ayayi. Now they don't, I mean, they, they still have Andrew Nemhart, who's tremendous, you know, as one of their guards, Chet Holmgren is going to be maybe the number one overall pick. But yeah, I, I still think if you're catching double figures, which you can find in some spots, I, I'm not saying go nuts, but I certainly could see Memphis with their athleticism, guys, and the way that they've been playing, you know, James, you mentioned when uh, Amani Bates exited, uh, this team turned the corner, which is kind of astonishing. And, you know, per some of the metrics out there, they're a top five team in the country since uh, Amani Bates uh, had been sidelined. So, yeah, I think Memphis is is, is worth a bit of a flyer, uh, especially if you can get some double figures and, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think the athleticism could lead to a tricky matchup for the Zags. The Zags and the Tigers of Memphis is the final matchup for your Saturday night. Tim, I want to turn to Sunday, and this was a very intriguing matchup for both James and I, and I imagine yourself as well, and that is the Longhorns of Texas Mm -hmm. taking on the Purdue Boilermakers. Purdue, a lot of people expected them to rout the Yale Bulldogs, and they certainly did. It seemed like everybody and their mother liked Virginia Tech, and uh, that was certainly a sign to go ahead and bet Texas. They took care of the Hokies. (laughs) Uh, did the Longhorns. So now you've got this matchup. And, you know, the Big Ten for me was a conference I thought I was going to want to fade coming into this tournament. Now, Illinois advanced. They did not cover. Uh, Same for Wisconsin. But look at Michigan State winning. And you've got Michigan uh, beating Tennessee today to get to the Sweet 16. So really, this conference has been very impressive as opposed to what we've seen out of the SEC. But uh, I don't know. I kind of like Texas in this matchup here, catching about three and a half. Yeah, let's hook them together there, Brady. Uh, I uh, I wrote this up for vcin.com. And uh, I'm with Texas on this as a short dog. I think people, my guess would be, uh, especially after their performance in the first round, will will ride with Purdue. Um, and Texas has been a disappointment. Let's be real. I mean, they were a top five preseason team, and they haven't lived up to expectations. Um, and they played poorly down the stretch. They get bounced in the first round of the uh, of the conference tournament. They blow a you know 18 point halftime lead. But 
I look at I've been trying to figure out where we can ultimately fade Purdue. I'm just not a big Purdue believer uh, because of their inability to play defense. I actually bet them. I don't lay big numbers uh, often, but I did uh, in the first round. I thought Yale was a horrendous matchup. Uh, well, for uh, Purdue was a horrendous matchup for Yale. So here we are, short line. And Chris Beard, guys, just look at his historical run in the NCAA tournament. He's 11-4 straight up now. Remember, 2016, not that it means anything to this game, but just bring it up. When he was at Little Rock, he beat Purdue in double overtime in the first round of the 2016 uh, tournament. So I think the bigs of, um, of Christian Bishop and Timmy Allen – can slow down Zach Eady and Travion Williams enough. I do think they have enough guard play and enough athleticism to uh, to keep Jaden Ivey in check to an extent. So I'm with you, Brady. I, I do like the Longhorns here catching three and a half. I think it's going to be a tremendous game. I love the time slot. You know, it's that that evening affair on uh, on Sunday night. So yeah, I, I'm with uh, I'm with Hookem here in this spot plus the three and a half. Hey, Tim, before we let you go, uh, do you still have some live futures tickets in your pocket to win the whole thing? Did you play in that market uh, prior to the tournament starting? I did. Uh, so I, you know, full disclosure, I like to be upfront and honest as much as possible. I had Kentucky winning uh, their region, so that one's dead. Uh, but I did take a lot on Kansas. So I was sweating out today, and I'm glad, uh, Brady, you and I could middle some situations there because I know you took Creighton in the points, which is a, a tremendous bet. Really good job by you. Uh, but I took... Kansas to make the Elite Eight. I took Kansas to win the region, and I've got Kansas to win it all. Now I've got some other uh, you know flyers out there. Auburn thirty to one. I don't I don't really love the way that they're playing. So I'm kind of hitching my wagon to the Jayhawks here. Uh, they've got Providence up next. I think they're an eight and a half point favorite, so we're feeling good there. But yeah, that the, the I'm I, I'm all over rock chalk Jayhawk here, boys. I'm riding with Bill Self to the finish line. All right, Tim. Well, enjoy it, man. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, get some rest so you can get back to the nightcap on Monday. <laughs> All right, fellas, uh, enjoy the games tonight, people. All right, that is going to do it for us. Next up, the Bet Center continues with Ben Wilson and Jeff Parles. James, have a great Sunday, my friend, and thanks to Dan Miller. Keep it here at VSIN, the sports betting network.